Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by frederickSDAchurch.org. This morning's sermon is entitled, It's All His. It is all His. Unleashing the power of giving. Unleashing God's power in our lives through the process of giving. This is the final of a couple more uh, sermons on stewardship. Pastor Quintana, upon his return, will finish the, uh, the rest of the series. But it's my turn to talk about the power of giving. I also like to thank uh, Dave Ramsey, author of Financial Peace University, for inspiring me to preach uh, this sermon this morning as well. Um, but first, a couple of facts. God wants us to have wealth and riches. God wants us to be wealthy and to have riches so that we can give a bunch of it away. I don't know if you heard me. God wants us to be wealthy and to be rich so that then we can give a bunch of this away. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants me to be wealthy. Right now, God wants me to be wealthy. That's right. Show me the money. Show me the money. Open our Bibles. Let's open our Bibles to Psalms chapter 112. Psalms chapter 112. When you get there, say amen. Chapter 112 of the book of Psalms. God wants us, that's a fact, to have wealth and riches. Let's see where this is said. Look at Psalms 112. Are you there? Say amen. All right, let's read. Bible says, praise Psalms 112, 112, Psalms 112. I like a congregation that demands uh, clarity. Good. What chapter was that, preacher? Psalms 112, the Bible says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you, Lord, again. That you lead us to scripture to discover the truth about what you want in our lives. Take us there, Lord. May we abide in there, Lord, for the next hour, Father, and beyond. And that we may breathe your word through our hearts and our lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wealth and riches. He wants us to do that because he's got a plan. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I have a plan for you, plan to prosper you, not to harm you. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Now, there's a myth that goes on a lot about God's promises, and it's that all we need to do is claim it, and it's ours. The truth is, 
that there are conditions to God's promises in our lives. You can't just claim the promise of wealth and rich and richness uh, just because it says it in Psalms 112. There are conditions. God wants you to be righteous. He wants you to obey him. And then he wants you to give. There are conditions. God wants us to work in cooperation with him so that his promises can be fulfilled in our lives. That's how it happens. It's a hand-in-hand thing. It's a together thing. And there's a couple things God wants us to do before we can reach being this, having this wealth and these riches. One of them, we understand, is already be righteous. This only happens to righteous people. People who are righteous obey God. They worship God. They give their all to God. They declare him their personal savior. These are the righteous. They go preach the gospel throughout the world as he commanded. As a result of that, they have to give. They have financial peace. That's a couple other things that God wants us to, have, to do so that we can achieve this financial peace. God says he wants us to save. He wants us to save the money. How many of you save money? How many of you save money? Hmm? How many of you spend money? How many of you, <laughs> how many of you haven't seen what money looks like? Because <laughs> it all goes through credit cards. It's amazing how you cannot look at a dollar bill for a couple days because everything is plastic. God wants us to save. The Bible says about savings in Proverbs 21.20, it says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. God wants us to save. It's part of obeying him. Also, God wants us to be debt-free. He wants us to be debt-free. The Bible says that, my son, if you have become surety for your friend, surety means that you have borrowed or even co-signed. God's plan is not for us to co-sign or to borrow. The Bible says that if you have done this, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your own mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth, so do this now my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself, plead with your friend, give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Get out of debt as fast as you can. So the Bible says, if we want to obey God and we want to receive this wealth and these riches, We want to have financial peace. He wants us to save. He wants us to get out of debt. The Bible also says, and that was found, by the way, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Also in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, the Bible says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. It is not God's plan for us to be anyone's slave. In fact, he came so that we may be free, and be free indeed. God wants us to get out of debt. Also, he says in Psalms 37, 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives, gives debt-free. How many want to be debt-free in their lives? Can you imagine? Not owing, not even the house. Debt-free. 
You see how God's plan is developing? He wants us to have so that we can be able to give. But if we owe, we don't have to give. It's the devil's plan for us to be in debt. Listen to this. God also wants us to create a budget, have a plan for our lives. He wants us to have a plan for our, for, 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 for our cash flow. He wants us to sit and speak with our wives, speak with our children, have a family financial meeting, and plan things. The Bible says in, 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 in Proverbs 20, once again, Proverbs is like the financial book of the whole canon of Scripture. If you want a degree in finances, read Proverbs. It's all there. In fact, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. You can take one a day. And just read and study what God says about finances. Remember, we are studying today the unleashing the power of God through giving. That's what we're doing. Realizing that God wants us to be wealthy and have enough riches to be able to give. The Bible says, again, speaking of budgeting, Proverbs 20, verse 18, prepare plans by consultation. Proverbs 21, 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. In other words, if you plan and you budget, you have an advantage. You have an advantage on, 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 on life. There's order in your home. God is a God of order, the Bible says. Also, God wants us to invest. This is where we begin to build this wealth. When we invest, can you believe that? The Bible talks about investment. It says Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. The Bible says, give portions to seven, yes to eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. He says, yes to seven, no to eight. He believes in diversifying. Huh? Sort of like for those of you who are into, in, 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 into uh, money markets and mutual funds, God believes in a long-term plan of investment, not a get-rich-quick type of thing. That's not him. God believes in a long-term plan for your life and my life so that we can create this wealth that he promised us and that we can be rich to give, to give. Now, when I think in terms of rich and when I speak in terms of rich, not as this world describes rich or not a richness of selfishness and greed, a richness that comes as a result of loving God and believing in his plan for us so that we can give. So we can give. These are the steps that God wants us to have. These are, these are conditions. This is how we work proactively with God, in cooperation with him. See, but the problem is that a lot of us believe that if we hold on to our money, that we'll get more money, that we'll, that we'll have more. If we hold on to it with a clenched fist, we believe that we'll have more. Truth about it is that as we hold on to it like this, none goes out, but none also comes in. You see, the clenched fist is, is the international sign of anger. A clenched fist means that you're angry. Everyone knows that as soon as you do this, but if you have an open hand, an open hand, money goes out, some comes in, but always you'll have, maybe not in your bank account, but you'll always have in here with an open hand. God wants us to have an open hand when it comes to our finances. He wants us to give, but there's more. And the problem is that we don't understand that we are merely asset managers. We are stewards 
of money. We are asset managers for God's money. Now, now there's only, I like to explain this in an illustration, so I want to just invite a couple, a couple folks up here. Uh, maybe Mr. Fonseca, would you come up here and give me a hand? Frank, uh, you're up there. Uh, can, can you come up here and give me a hand with this illustration? I want to show you what this means because sometimes it's, it's, it's confusing to understand what does it mean by saying it's all God's money. It's all God's money. And, and, so, and so we are just stewards and, and asset managers of God's money. And thank you very much, Mr. Fonseca. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. Frank, how are you? When are we going on the Harley Davidson one day? Today. Any day? Today. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm not dressed for it. I got the head part okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. My wife says it's a hard, I have a hard head, so I guess that qualifies as a helmet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's, 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 let's show you what I mean here. Um, we are just asset managers for God. And so, and, and so Brother Frank over here, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to relate to you. Let, let's, let's pretend we're all uh, in Brother Frank's position. He has $1,000, okay? Okay, show us your $1,000. No? Oh, all right, all, right, all right, just checking. Good, good, good. Did you see the offering plate go by already? I did. Yes, okay. Yeah. You watched it as it went by. Yeah, absolutely. As a thousand dollars and brother Frank is, is going to deposit his a thousand dollars. He's worked hard for his $1,000 bill. Is it hard to work for a thousand dollar bills? Is it easy to come by right? No, it takes a lot of hard work to get the thousand dollars. And so he has a thousand dollars and we'll just pretend he has it there. I, I couldn't use this illustration because I didn't have one. So I couldn't bring one, a real thousand with me, but he's got a thousand dollars and he wants to deposit it in, in, in Mr. Fonseca's bank. So Fonseca is a bank owner. Did you know that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's a bank owner. You're going to face the audience here. He's a bank owner. And Frank, you're going to deposit your $1,000 into Mr. Fonseca's bank. So go ahead and, and, and give him the $1,000. There it is right there. All right. Yeah. Right there. Put it away. <laughs> and, and, and what has just happened here is that, is that, is that Frank is, is entering into, if you spoke to a lawyer, a fiduciary trust. With Mr. Fonseca, he is trusting him with a thousand dollars so that he can keep it for him and maybe gain even a little interest on his money. So Frank goes away, he goes to his wife and his, when he gets home uh, that, that afternoon, his wife says to Frank, hey, Frank, uh, it's, it's, it's time. And Frank goes, t- t- time for what, honey? And because Frank, he speaks very humbly like that, you know, yes, honey. Yeah. Like I've been taught to, to say, thank you by Mr. Brother Ralph Reed. <laughs> yes, honey. It's what we say to, it's what we say to our wives. And so Frank says, and, and so she says, well, it's time for that, for that new China I've always wanted. You know that China guys, that, 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 that's plates and stuff that we don't ever use, probably once or twice a year. But women have to have the fine China. And not only that, but they have to have a, a $2,000 cabinet to put it in. So Frank doesn't understand about China or anything like that. He doesn't know why we have to purchase something that, that we never use. But Frank is not one to question his wife. He's going to say, okay, honey, I'm going to go buy it. And so Frank goes over to, to the bank to get his money. And as soon as he walks into the bank, the teller sees him and says, uh-oh, you're here. And Frank says, is there a problem? Um, well, Mr. Fonseca wants to see you. And so Frank, a little bit uh, bewildered, walks into the office 
And Mr. Fonseca's wearing a suit like he is now because he's a banker. And, and, and money just exudes him. And, 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 and so Frank goes up to Mr. Fonseca and says, is there a problem? And he says, and Mr. Fonseca says, Frank, have a seat. I need to talk to you. You see, what, what, what happened was that, uh, that my wife and I uh, needed some things. You see, we, we needed something. Ever needed some things, huh? You know, my wife needed uh, the, 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 this new flower bed arrangement, and we needed to, and we needed, to, and we needed a plasma TV. You ever needed stuff? You know what I'm talking about? We needed furniture, and so I needed all these things. So I took your money and bought it with your money. Now, if that doesn't sit too well with Frank, he's a humble guy, and so Frank is going, uh, "No, uh, that is a problem. You can't do that." And so Brother Fonseca says, well, you know, it's okay. I'll just go to jail, and after I go to jail, I'll pay you back. (laughs) There's a problem here. In reality, Frank is not really representative of you and I. Frank really, in this illustration, represents God. You see, who represents you and I really is, is Brother Fonseca. You see, every single penny that you have belongs to God. It's all God's. Everything you have, not just a a tithe, not just an offering, not just a donation. It's all God's. It's all God's. And when I get that confused in my life, when, 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 when I don't understand who owns what in my life, I begin to commit financial errors. Things don't go well. I have a spiritual disease. When I don't understand that everything belongs to God and it's all his, I begin to make decisions that are just going to lead me to disaster and confusion. Give him a big hand for coming up front here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Where's my $1,000, Frank? Oh. It's all his. Understanding that it's all his causes us to do what? You see, it's easy to give away somebody else's money, isn't it? We can do that, huh? If I gave you 1000 bucks and I said, you know, I want you to give this to 10 people, by the end of the day, people who need it, people who are, who, who are in trouble and, and, and who could really use this, you'd be happy to do so, wouldn't you? He's not your money. You see, it's easier to give away other people's money. And so if we understand the concept that it it is all God's and we are just stewards, we are just managers of God's money, now we understand the purpose of why God has given us. And that's so that we can give. And so I ask myself a question, well, why does God want me to give? Remember, we are unleashing the power of giving. But why does God want me to give? Well, I, you know, you figure, okay, well, maybe God needs my money. Ever thought of that before? God needs my money. Well, let me tell you how foolish that is. Because God doesn't need your money. If God wanted your money, he'd take it and leave you spinning. It's all, when God created this earth, 
He did not say let there be light and the stars as well and and I'm going to create plants and let there be this. And by the time he got to the sixth day uh, and he was creating Adam, he didn't stop and say, wait a minute. Hey, Alvin, can I borrow a couple bucks so that I can finish this thing called man? See, God doesn't need my money. So why does God want me to give? And so I figured, well, maybe the church needs my money. How many have felt that way before? The church needs my money. I'm going to help out because the church needs. I mean, the church is doing this nice project. I'm going to give because they need my money. There's another thing I discovered as well. It may be funny speaking as a pastor of this, but the church doesn't need your money either. Uh Uh-oh. The church does not need, Bud's not here today, so I guess I can say this. The church does not need your money. You see, the church needs true, faithful believers that walk in the narrow path towards heaven. And as a result of that, guess what happens? People give. As a result, people give. Church don't need your money. Need believers. People who believe in Jesus Christ. People who give their all to Jesus Christ, who declare him personal savior. And as they walk together, the church will thrive. Because that comes as a result of that relationship with Christ. Why does God need my money? I was thinking as I was in moment of study and looking at the, thinking of the fact that pretty soon I'm going to have a child. I thought about how, I think about how much my wife bonds with our, with our soon-to-be uh, baby boy. Um, and she talks to him and, and you know, we're, we're, we're bilingual, so, so we go both ways and talk in languages. And, and so I don't know what he's going to understand when he comes out. But, you know, I, I mean, I sing Jesus Loves Me like in five different versions every day to him. And, and so I just kind of want to connect with him. And so he is beginning to respond to us. When he's a little restless, I sing to him, he calms down. And so it's that kind of thing. I mean, does that really happen or am I crazy? That, that, yeah, I'm not alone, huh? Dads, did you talk to your babies? Well, yeah, okay. Some of you sing, some of you talk. I'm giving my child counsel already. Oh, yeah, I'm going Ellen White on him. I mean, I just, son, you know, obey your parents and, and all this. And so he listens because he moves, you know. So, okay, I like that. And so I think of my son and And then I remember the verse in John 3.16. Why does God want me to give? And I think and and as I study this, I say, wow. He gave his only begotten son. God gave his son. And you know, the Bible says in Genesis that we were created in his what? Image. We were created in his image. God, why do you want me to give? And then it dawned on me, 
that God is a giver. God is a giver. And when I give, when I go through the motion of giving, since I was created in his image and he's a giver, when I go through the motion of giving, I partake of his very perfect nature. I become one with him. I become like God. And so I think God wants me to have wealth. He wants me to have riches. He wants me to get my life in order first, of course. He wants me to give and have, and have all of these, all this wealth so that I can give it away so that I can constantly be like him. Because God is a giver. So here's how awesome and gracious God is. It's all his. Everything that I have is his. He's given me this money to use it as an instrument so that I can practice and experience being like him. Problem is, when I begin to hold on to it and to hoard it and to misuse it, And to not be responsible, that's where the problem is. Now I'm not like him, am I? God, in his infinite mercy, he knew that the only way that he could show me what it feels like to give his son is for you and I to give of what we value so that we can relate in part and be like him. God is a giver. He wants us to be givers as well. The Bible teaches us some methods of how to give. Well, how do I give? Well, the Bible tells us right off the bat It says, give a tenth, a tithe, return a tithe, bring it to the storehouse. The storehouse is the Old Testament church. Nowadays it's church. Bring a tenth to the church, your first fruits. Bring it to the church, the storehouse. It says a tenth, not a fifth, a tenth. The tenth was used to to, to support the widows the orphans, and also the Levites. The Levites are the equivalents of what today we call pastors and teachers and staff. That's what the tenth, that's what the, that's what the tithe was used for back in the day. And nowadays it could include uh, wives whose husbands are, are in the military. Also uh, single mothers, which according to studies, 50% of single mothers are living under the poverty line. Do we need to support single mothers? Yes, we do. This is what tithes were used for back in the day. This is one way God wants us to give. He also wants us to give an offering. An offering. Now, now, now the Bible is one thing about an offering that, that should be cleared up. The Bible tells us first that you must take care of your own home. 
And if you do not take care of your home first, you are worse than an unbeliever. So scripture tells us. Now, now, now what I'm saying by this is that it is not responsible of us to be giving offering wherever we see a need when our homes are deteriorating. God wants us to get our homes in order and prepare our homes first before we go out and give. Now, I'm not telling you to question your heart this morning because where, where you want to give, that is, that is between you and God. But the Bible does teach us, first, bring your house in order. Take care of your home first. Now, if your home is in, in constant lack, I do, I do ask you to go back to the first couple steps we mentioned and look at the fact, are you saving? Are you out of debt? Are you making wise financial decisions? Are you budgeting? All these things, if done properly and according to Scripture, will allow you to have so that you can give. An offering is also a way to give. God also says that he will rebuke the devourer when we give. In Malachi chapter 3, he will rebuke the devourer. It's funny how the people that give have less problems in their lives. You notice that people that give live a constant balanced life according to God's promises. He will rebuke the devourer. People that are broke, ever had that experience that you never have in your pocket, always have emergencies that come up. Now something, your tire blows up, your, your, your radiator bursts up. People, we always have problems. Bible says, if you give faithfully, he will rebuke the devourer. That's a promise. That's a promise. Giving. Bible also tells us that, 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 that God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful, again, when we give, we become one with God. And now you understand why is it that when you gave, it felt good. Because what you experienced was God's presence in your heart. That's what happened. And when you give, this happened. The more you give, the more you experience God. And so, and so giving is, is an avenue to experience and connect with God. Because we were created in his image. Now, God loves a cheerful giver. The word Cheerful in the Greek language stands for helios. That's where we get our word hilarious from. You know, God loves a hilarious giver. I mean, ever had fun giving? Ever surprised somebody with giving something, right? Anonymously even. Just put something in there and let them see it. And you see them and you're all excited. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. That's why God says he loves a hilarious giver. I remember one time when I was 12 years old. I was living in New York City there. I was a pathfinder. I loved pathfinders all my life. And I, and I was glad that I was a part of this club. It was in New York City. The church was in, uh, called Spanish Broadway. It was in 96th Street, if there's anybody from around the way there in New York, between Amsterdam and Columbus. And there I was. I would get there every Sunday morning. Our meetings would begin at 9 a.m. all the way to 12. But I like to get there early, so I get on the train, an excuse to get out the house. I get out there uh, to the church, and the church was locked on this Sunday morning. Of course, I got there around 8 a.m., so I was a little early. And I sat up front, up front across the street in the school that was there. As I was waiting, I noticed that over to the side there was a, there was a man, a gentleman there. Obviously, he was homeless. Um, he was covered in, in, in a cardboard blanket, and there he, there he lay. And as I looked at him, I was 
wanting my meeting to begin and get him to do the social thing and, and do the Pathfinder thing. We had drum corps and drill teams and so that. I was excited about all that. And I saw this man there and I was just thinking, boy, he, he, when he wakes up, he's going to be hungry. Now, this is a 12-year-old mind. You see, when he wakes up, he's going to be hungry. I better go buy him some breakfast. So at 12 years old, I walked down the block, and I remember buying a, 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 one of those little quarts of a Tropicana orange juice. Remember when they used to be 25 cents only? <laughs> Put your hand down, Encore. You don't know that. <laughs> 25 cents for a little, what is it, a pint? or A, a pint is a small one, right? The quart. Yeah, this one. 25 cents. That's all I had in my pocket because I had a 25 cents allowance every week. And so I went there and I bought the, 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 the juice and I just waited for him to wake up. As soon as I saw him rolling around and, 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 and he finally stretched and did his yawn thing and everything and he got up, I went up to him and, and, I, said, and I, said, I said, sir, uh, would, you like, would you like some orange juice? <laughs> Remember the commercial with me and me, me, Joe Green? <laughs> Really, you could have it. <laughs> and, and thank you, brother. <laughs> and I said, really, you could have this orange juice. And he grabbed the orange juice, he opened it up, and he began to drink it. And he drank and drank it. And it was, I was kind of feeling happy. Yeah, he, he, he accepted. In New York, you don't just take handouts from anybody. And, and he drank it. And after he drank the juice, he looked at me. And that's when I got scared. He looked at me and he began coming towards me. And, and, and I just kind of, you know, this. And, and, and he just started to cry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And he just got louder and bigger. And, and, thank you. And he was yelling, thank you. And I was embarrassed. I was, oh my God. But I was happy at the same time. But thank you. Well, let me tell you. There's no greater feeling that day than to see how happy that man was over uh, orange juice. I felt I was walking on cloud nine for that whole week. In fact, I began to like make a plan and buy orange juices for anyone I saw. I had a system going. I was only 12. But it's because it felt good. To give. To give. Now, I didn't understand all this thing about who belongs to and and stewardship and all. But you know what? God taught me it by default. It's all his. And God wants us to be givers because he is a giver. Again, when you open your wallet, You open your bank account for the purpose of giving. Some may come out. Some may come in. Some may not come in. But you'll always have some right here in your heart where it counts. Right here. And it's not only giving our money. When you give your time. When you give your talent. When you give of your temple, your body, when you give of your testimony, whenever you give, the Bible says that we resemble, we connect, we are like God. And isn't that something we want to be like?
this morning, I just want to invite us to to think of how we've been handling our, our finances. And in troubled times like these, understand one thing, there is no government that's going to bail you and I out of any financial problems. But I will tell you who, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't do it out of magic or a miracle. He gives us guidance and steps to take so that we can have, so that we can give, so that we can be more like God. How many this morning want to say, Lord, I confess it's all yours. It's all yours. Help me, Lord, to be a steward. Help me to be the steward of your money. Help me to be the steward of everything that you've given me. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 